I guess that's called violin abuse. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Steve Pack for covering the last two weeks of our People of the Promise series. And, um, you know, often when, when we're handing off these things, uh, he didn't actually do this. I don't know that he even implied that I gave him hard stuff. But, but I know that, that uh, whenever we assign these things, that they can be, they can be difficult. And I appreciate uh, the insights that he shared and the work that he did for us. And um, he, he covered uh, Deborah. When he covered Deborah, he also covered, um, I felt like, adequately enough, Barak. So we're going to move on to Gideon and the first part of Gideon. And I've entitled our lesson tonight, When Little is Much. And I think we're going to see how this plays through the whole account of Gideon. But I want to start in Hebrews 11, where the writer of Hebrews says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Let's flip back to that next. Yes, there we go. I want you to look at those names. If you know anything about their story, um, these heroes of the faith were clearly imperfect men. In fact, sometimes irritating, uh, disappointing, like people that we know, but God used them, and they trusted God. We are ever tempted to make human heroes larger than life. It seems more fair that way. Like they're a hero because there's something special about them. But when we do that, we set ourselves up for disillusionment when we find out that they are but men. And we set ourselves up for fear when God calls us to do things that are beyond our own power. God is the hero of these events. These men with all their imperfections, just leaned on him. They were like the violin, created in God's image, but they needed God to empower them to make the music that would live on through the centuries. So, when little is much, Gideon, and let's jump into the Gideon story in the beginning of Judges chapter 6, where we see a nation brought low by God for sin. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. He goes on to say, and the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. Because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east would come against them. So, think about working for a whole season, getting ready for the harvest, and then having this enemy swoop in and take everything that you've worked for. 
They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or oxen or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites. The Lord, and this is kind of disappointing to us, he sent a prophet like, hey, we need help against the Midianites fighting the Midianites, and you're sending us a preacher. You're sending us words. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all who oppressed you. So this is something that happened hundreds of years before, and drove them out before you, not hundreds of years, but about 50 to 100 years, and gave you their land. And I said to you, I and the Lord your God, you shall not fear, and that's the idea of worshiping, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So Israel was brought low because of their evil, and the specific evil was the evil of adopting the idols of the land and worshiping those idols instead of obeying God. And it's for that reason that God brought them low. So next action of God we see is that Gideon is called by God to an impossible task in Judges 6, beginning in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abi Ezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, normally, if you're going to thresh wheat, you use an animal, but remember, the Midianites have stolen the animals. Normally, if you're going to thresh wheat and let the wind blow away the husk, you're going to do it on the top of a hill where the wind is blowing, but he's doing it down in a wine press. Not a really good place, but he's trying to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That almost sounds like a joke. I mean, here's a guy hiding out. He's in the worst of circumstances. He's trying to beat out enough wheat for his family, and God calls him a mighty man of valor, and the Lord is with you. Well, Gideon didn't appreciate the irony. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord, and notice this, it goes from the angel of the Lord to the Lord himself, turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. It's an impossible task. An impossible cast. He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So you see this emphasis on smallness, on littleness. When is little much? Because usually little is too little to accomplish anything that is great. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you and you will strike the Midianites as one man. But I will be with you. You look at this, there's questions, so many questions. If the Lord is with us, why? 
Why is this happening to us? Where are all the mighty deeds that he used to do? How can I save Israel? All this peppering of questions to God. We're part of, I'm part of the weakest clan, the least in my father's house. And the answer to all the questions is this. I will be with you. God is the hero, not Gideon. And that's when little is much. Third, we see a sign that God is actually speaking to Gideon. Gideon asked for it, Judges 16, 17 to 24. And we read, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. This is after uh, the angel of the Lord has burned up this offering right before his face and then, in the, then vanishes before his sight. And Gideon perceived he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. When you encounter the might of God, it's a fearful thing, and fear is appropriate. But he says, peace to you, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Gideon went from, from doubting that this was even possible, the Lord is with him, to recognizing that, that being in the presence of a Lord is a fearful thing, that God is a mighty warrior, and, and yet... When God chooses to use you, when God is for you, he brings you his peace. So we both have a fear of God, a healthy awe and respect for all that God can do in his power, his infinite power. And at the same time, when we belong to him in faith, there's the peace of God. The Lord is peace. God was speaking to him. He wanted to be absolutely sure. God proved it. It produced fear, and then it produced peace. But it had to be first things first. The first thing God tells him to do before going out against the Midianites is to start with destroying the altar of Baal. Remember that this was why God had used the Midianites to bring them low in the first place. We often want relief from the consequences of our sin without dealing with the sin that produced the consequences. If you think about all the programs and all the, the political endeavors and economic endeavors and educational endeavors, so much of it is dedicated to trying to deal with the consequences of wrongdoing rather than dealing with the wrongdoing that has produced the consequences. And this is the gospel. The gospel targets not just our death, it targets our sin. The gospel deals with what's wrong on the inside of us and then fixes the consequences of what's wrong. And, and Gideon was called to do something that was outlandish. Think about a community where they're dedicated to Baal worship. His own father is dedicated to Baal worship because that's the altar he's supposed to destroy and build in this place an altar to God. He does it by night. He has some people help him. The whole town gathers, and they want to string him up. And then his dad um, answers, well, if Baal is so mighty, why don't you let Baal fight his own battles? And Gideon got the nickname, Jerobaal, let Baal contend. So this was Gideon's first act of obedience in the face of what could have cost him his life. But he did it in obedience to the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And the Lord used it to display a big difference between a fake God who can do nothing to destroy his enemies and the true and living God who can destroy hundreds of thousands if he chooses to do so. First things first. 
And then we see the story of the many given by God to the few. And this will extend from the 33rd verse of chapter 6 all the way to the end of, of chapter 7. We're going to drop down in, in different parts of this and actually add some other points within it. But many given by God to the few. In verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. He sounded the trumpet, and the Abi Ezraites were called out to follow him. So those in his immediate clan now are called out to follow him. But notice that the Lord is clothing him for battle. The Lord is empowering him. The Spirit of God is coming upon him. In other words, when God says, I will be with you, it's, it's not just an intellectual exercise. God is actually going to equip him to exercise the kind of leadership that he's called to exercise. And then, of course, you know the story of the fleece, and I'm not going to uh, belabor that, except to say that I think too often we belabor that. The point of the fleece is that God kindly puts up with Gideon's need for reassurance. I mean, Gideon, I mean, you know, he wants it dry, then he wants it wet, and it's like, come on, make up your mind, and how, how much convincing needs to happen here? This is frustrating. Gideon, you're irritating. Like, are you, maybe you're a little autistic or something. I don't know what your problem is, but you're, 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 you're bugging. You can't seem to get through this. And God, God just answers. God chooses kindness. You might have, diff, you might have difficulties that that you've caused for yourself. You might have uh, problems with your quirks and your personality. In fact, you do, and I do. Um, you know, for instance, I can't play the violin. Um, but but, but God, God knows how you're wired. God knows your weaknesses as well as your strengths. And God kindly puts up with that because the battle is, is the hero is God, it's not you. It, if you were so amazing then he wouldn't get glory for what he does. And we like to be amazing. I like to be amazing. Like, if I'm going to do a competition, I want to win. That, that's the point, okay? I, I want to be the best. I, wanna, I want to achieve. And yet God says, you know what? I don't need your achievements, Drew, to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And that's exactly what God is teaching Gideon. In Judges 7, verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Now, what's amazing is how many people admitted that they were fearful. Because I think if we were going into a battle and say, okay, who's afraid? Who's, who's going to cry uncle first? Who's going to admit it? But 22,000 of the 32,000 returned. They're the fearful ones. Only 10,000 remain. Now, 10,000 sounds like a lot of people compared to um, 1,000 people, but compared to 32,000, like... You've just had two-thirds. Think about, think about if you had a year in a church where two-thirds of your members left. That, that would not be a happy year. Well, here you're going into battle against an army that looks like locusts. There's so many of them. And you've gone from 32,000 to 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. 
Verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, you know, he gives the test. He says, um, some will drink this way, some will drink that way. I'm going to choose the 300 that lap. He said, well, what, what's the value of the lapping? The text doesn't tell us. They lapped. I think the value of the lapping was that there were only 300 of them doing that. And so it got the number down to where God wanted it. So we don't need to talk about those who drink water better. You know, we need guys for this battle who can drink water well. We, we need the most vigilant. We need the, we need the guys really looking out for the enemy. God didn't need them all. God didn't need them at all. He didn't need them. He said, just, I'll use the 300 men who lapped. I will save you and give, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go, every man to his home. Too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. So he goes from 32,000 to 300. You would consider the troops decimated if it went from 32 thousand to 3,200. What do you call it? It's not decimated. What would, what would it be called to go from 32,000? I don't even know if there's a term for it, except this is crazy. This is impossible. No, there's nobody that's going to go home and boast, we did this. We, were, we are the mighty lappers. <laughs> Nobody's going to boast that. This is going to have to be a God thing or it's not going to happen at all. And that's what we see is God then works at multiple levels to make this happen. First with Gideon, he's strengthened by God against fear. The same night, verse 9, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. And if you are afraid to go down, I don't know why he didn't leave with the 22,000, but he didn't. Maybe when you're leading the group, you shouldn't do that. Um, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Well, that seems simple enough. I'm just going to go, m- middle of the night, I'm going to go down to this camp of hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And whatever I'm going to hear is going to actually help me. Verse 12, we're told, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. That's like going into, I mean, it'd be like going into a, a stadium or maybe 20 stadiums and saying, you know, if you'll just go over there to those 20 stadiums, you're going to hear something that's going to help you. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And let me think about this. You're outside a tent. You just choose this random tent, and behold, this guy's talking. You behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given his hand into his hand, Midian, and all the camp. Like, that's like the, the last thing you would ever expect to hear. You're eavesdropping, and the particular tent says, the dream means God has given this whole camp into Gideon's hand. Well, as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he 
worshipped. Because this whole, this whole conquest, this whole battle, this whole victory is going to be about God winning the victory, not just Gideon. So how does that happen? Well, the enemy is turned by God against themselves. And we learn about it in Judges 7, 19 through 25. And you know the story. I'm, I'm counting on you, most of you, knowing this account quite well. Think about what the 300 were armed with. These are the 300 special forces. These are like Navy SEALs, right? Or these are like rangers. They've got every kind of war-making equipment you could possibly need. They've got trumpets and pots and torches. It sounds like they're going to a music convention and the garden club. Trumpets, pots, and torches. And it doesn't mention other battle gear. I'm not saying that they didn't have any other battle gear. They're going to use the swords later. But, but they're going in. Their, their plan is trumpets, pots, and torches. And they cried out. Oh, finally we get to a sword. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Well, the 300 blew the trumpets. They broke the pots. They held their torches high, but God did the fighting. He caused the Midianites to self-destruct. In verse 22, we read, when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. So you've got this huge army that's divided in half, and they fight each other, and the army fled. The Israelites pursued the Midianites who fled. They called out the men of Ephraim who captured and killed the two princes of Midian. It was a total rout. Now, normally we don't go through the story, this part of the story of Gideon, so rapidly, but I think by going through it this rapidly, we actually see what happened. This wasn't so much about Gideon. It wasn't about the 300 lappers. It was about a God who can take an impossible task and suddenly turn it on its head and, and destroy a huge enemy just like that. So think about Gideon hiding out there in that wine press, threshing the wheat, and, and the problem was he didn't see that the Lord was with him. And, and he was called a mighty man of valor, but he said, you know, a lot of good that's going to do. But once God was with him and once God directed him, he obeyed the Lord, then the Lord brought a victory that no man could possibly do. So where has the Lord promised victory? And to what task has he called you? with all your imperfections to do. Forsake your pride and abandon your fear. God is the hero, not you. The more I thought about this story, it's, it's like, th this is so backwards to the way we think. We, we think that somehow if I can be better, then then the Lord will use me. It, 
and, and we want to hone the skills, and we want to be faithful to the Lord and all of that, but we have to understand that the Lord's not dependent on your skill or mine. The Lord created us. The Lord knows us better than anyone else knows us. He, he doesn't need us to win the victories. We need Him. And thankfully, in the great task that He's given to us as believers and as the church, the impossible task, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations? Really? How long has it been and how, how badly are we failing at this? He says, behold, I am with you always, all the days, every single day, to the end, the consummation, the goal of the age. Let's live this week not in our own power, not in our own pride. Live, live this week obeying whatever God gives us to do and watching Him do win battles that are impossible for men. It is when God is with us that little is much. Let's pray. God, thank you for your kindness to us. Lord, thank you for the example of a Gideon. Um, as we're going to see in coming weeks, he's more imperfect than we would like to even admit. And yet, God, you did use him, and you brought victories that seemed totally impossible. Lord, we human beings are still the same. We're flawed. We not only disappoint others, we disappoint ourselves. And so, God, we look to you to empower us. I pray, God, that we might walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. I pray that we might be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and take His armor to us. I pray that our heart would be to obey Him rather than to see whether we have the power to do so, but just to yield and worship, knowing that He is with us all the days to the end of the age. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.